in our bedroom, we have a dresser, and inside the dresser, we have this change jar, and the change jar is something that I, I saw my dad do uh, when we were a little bit older growing up, but he would come in from work, and he would take his change, and he'd drop the change in the jar, and so uh, we got one of those change jars, and we keep it in the dresser, and when I come in from every couple weeks, I get all the change out of my car, and I bring it in, and I dump it in, and that is our special occasion fund. Uh, for our family. So if we're going to go see a movie, instead of take out a a second line of credit on our house, um, we save up in our change jar and we save up the money until we get enough to go. And usually it takes about halfway up the change jar, maybe three quarters. If we're going to get popcorn, you got to get it all the way full um, to get the change jar full. And what we'll do is we'll take the change jar and we'll, we'll leave to go somewhere and we take it with us and we, we, we pull into one of the grocery stores that has one of those counting machines. Now, I know it takes 10%. So those of you who are spendthrift, just don't, don't worry about it. It's all right. Our decision. So we pour it in there and then you lift up the lever. And as the machine starts to count, something starts to happen when the machine starts to count. It starts to... Uh, to differentiate between the quarters, nickels, dimes, pennies. If you've got any half dollars or silver dollars, it calculates them all. But then something else starts to happen. Down at the bottom right of the machine, it starts to kick out the coins that it can't read because they're not... Uh, compliant with the machine. They have, uh, it could be, like I, I, had, I found in my last time I did this, I'm not sure where it came from uh, exactly, but there was one of those deals, maybe they do this at Myrtle Beach, Gatlinburg, other touristy places when you're on vacation. You put a quarter in or 50 cents in, and then you also put a penny in, and it squishes the penny and it stamps the name of the place on there. Does anybody else know what I'm talking about? Any of you have one of those? Just so you know, those don't count as real money anymore. That penny doesn't work. And so it kicks it out. And if you had any currency, foreign currency, it kicks those out. And it doesn't matter how many times I take those foreign currencies from Tanzania or wherever we traveled, and I take them and I dump them in there, they keep kicking them out. They keep examining those, and they're not a quarter, they're not a dime, they're not a nickel, they're not a penny, they're not a half dollar, they're not a silver dollar, and it just keeps kicking things out. Why? Because the machine knows how to differentiate between what's authentic and what's counterfeit. It knows immediately, this is not one of the approved things to come through this machine, so I'll just get rid of it. Our study of 2 Peter chapter 1 led us to an examination of what it means to be an authentic believer Chapter 2 is going to examine what, it, what, what we can look for in a counterfeit false teaching. Now, this is really going to be important this morning. Because as we do this, this is not going to feel, as I was preparing for this, this is, I don't think we're going to have 100 people rush to altar at the end of the service and go, I've been following a false teacher, okay? Uh, but as we walk through this, my hope and my desire is that According to 2 Peter, early in the church, 35 years young into the church, he was having to warn the church that there were false teachers coming inside the church. This is not a message that Peter is saying, let me warn you about the condition of the broken world. He's saying, let me help you examine the condition of the church and how you can know the difference between an authentic teacher of the word and a false prophet of the word. Now, this message is really hard, for I think, for any pastor to come to this chapter and preach through it because it calls for self-examination. 
So as we're walking through this, this week and next, it's a two-part week here, um, two-part sermon. This is going to allow us as pastors for myself to say, are you compliant with these things of Second Peter? Are you compliant with the warnings that he's laying out there? And so understand, when I pose these, I'm not excluding this pulpit and those who stand in this place. I'm including those in this pulpit, but also those also that exist inside the church. So why is this message going to be so important? Why do you need to pay attention? Here's why. You have every day in your hand or at your computer disposal to more preaching, teaching, commentaries, biblical resources than any person in the history of mankind, just yourself. And we need to know that just because a pastor's on YouTube doesn't mean he's preaching the truth. And so we have to know as believers... So we come times and we get to passages of scriptures that deal with how are we dealing in our marriage. Great of great importance. But I would counter that this morning, this is even of greater importance because it helps us evaluate every preacher, every teacher, according to God's word, including your pastor, including those that you listen to. Because after all, everybody that preaches on the internet's always preaching the truth, right? Wrong just in case you were wondering. Again, I'm cautious because I have memories of a gentleman who attended Rich Fork for just a couple of years. Ike was in his 80s when he started attending Rich Fork. I had just become the pastor. Ike was in Davidson County. Ike Young, he, he was a theologian and a scholar. A lot of people in southern Davidson County just knew him, and he started attending Rich Fork in the later part of his life, and I happened to be this new young pastor, and I remember Ike walking up to me after the service with his bulletin in hand, and the front and the back of it would be covered with notes and questions. And I thought, what have I gotten myself into? And then we would have lunch together. And it happened on a couple of occasions. We sat across the table together, and I realized that this gentleman desires for this young pastor to be authentic and to not be a counterfeit. He desires to examine his words, to walk him through, to ask tough questions out of a compassionate, loving heart for his pastor. And that made all the difference. And so as we come to this, if you find yourself, whether it's me or someone else that you listen to, be careful how we approach even those that are teaching falsely, prayerfully, guided by the Holy Spirit, to address these. So we're going to look at five things this morning and five things next week of ways to examine and to be able to differentiate the difference between an authentic teacher of the word and a false prophet of the word, a false teacher. Now, one of the resources I just want to be up front, I found about two or three weeks ago uh, by a gentleman by the name of Colin Smith, a writer for a, mostly a web blog, uh, the Gospel Coalition. He wrote a couple of these points that I'm going to use, not the rest of the writing, but I want to give credit where credit is due, especially when you're talking about being a false prophet, right? You pretty much need to cover that. So first thing I want us to see this morning out of Second Peter is this. One way to, t- to be able to determine the authentic versus the counterfeit is they preach a different message. What is the substance of the message of the person communicating to you? What is the substance of that message? 2 Peter 2, verse 1 says, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there 
will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Notice how the false teaching will come among us. He's not saying out there, so he's referring to inside the church. He said, how will it be brought into us? He said, it'll be done secretly. I mean, a false teacher is not going to sit across from you at your lunch table during the week and say, hey, I just want you to know I've got some false prophecies and false teachings I'd like to give to you. No, they're going to do so, as Peter's declared, they're going to do so secretly. They're going to do so with destructive heresies. Those are not complimentary words. Those are powerful proclamations. They're not going to bring in something that might cause damage, that might be difficult. No, they are destructive heresies. They are the opposite of the truth. And false teachers are going to go against what we learned last week. False teachers will ignore the person, the power, the glory, and the authenticity of Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to stay here for a few moments because it's of great importance to, again, align ourselves with the foundation. If a false teacher can successfully attack the foundation of your faith, then they also can successfully attack the effectiveness of the church. If they can impact the foundation of your faith, then they can impact the effectiveness of this mission that you've been placed on for 2,000 years the church has been given. But if the enemy can come in, and as we have said once before, if he can subterfuge, if he can undermine the teachings within the church, and he can dismiss the authority, the validity that we saw last week of Jesus Christ, then he can begin to tear apart the mission that we have to share the gospel with those in need of Jesus Christ. And this is a message that has been being pushed against since Jesus made this statement in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's a statement of exclusivity. It means Jesus is declaring, contrary to what some, even inside of a church, may declare. That doesn't mean that that Jesus and what he's declaring is above or greater than. It absolutely does. It preaches that Jesus Christ is the truth, the life, the way. No one comes to the Father but by me. If you'd known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Because false teachers, cults, will lead away from teaching where Jesus is exclusive. Where trust in Jesus is exclusive. And they'll begin to include statements such as, Jesus was a good teacher, sure. So was Buddha. Jesus was was a great moral authority. But he was no greater than Gandhi. But then what do we do with Jesus' own proclamation that he is the way, the truth, and the life? False teachers and prophets will begin to attack the validity and the authenticity of Jesus but they'll do it secretly. They're not going to sit down across the table. They're not even going to knock on your door and proclaim it that way. It's going to slide right up against the truth. 
so closely that we have to be able to examine and know these truths from Scripture. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. This is speaking of Jesus. He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for his sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. That leaves no question of who Jesus Christ is. The writer of Colossians leaves no question that Jesus was before all things, created all things, and is all things. And false teachings will push against those messages. Sometimes, secretly, sometimes with great subtleness, other times with brazenness and boldness. And we, teenagers, listen to me, you've got to know. You've got to know in this society how to differentiate between a false teaching and authentic. Because when you leave this place and you go on to higher education and into our culture, This is going to be undermined at every turn. That's not just some old pastor telling you that. That is someone who's experienced that from a place who proclaimed Jesus Christ as an institution myself. It will come. Different desires. How do we tell if they're authentic counterfeit? Different desires. What's guiding the teacher? Verse 2 says, And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them... The way of truth will be, will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. We're going to walk through each of these, but their sensuality, their shameful ways are attractive. People are going to follow false teachings because what they teach seems to be attractive because it allows for them to continue to live a life opposite of the gospel opposite of the grace of God, and take the name of Jesus Christ in vain while continuing to teach. Everybody in this room has or will have someone in your life who no longer attends a church because they have experienced a false, misguided teacher who has followed their own sensuality, their own immorality, and continue to excuse it and justify it by pouring a little extra grace over it and calling the behavior okay. And it has damaged your family member and it has damaged your friends and they have pushed themselves away from the church. So understand what's at stake here. It's not simply what you're receiving, but it's the effectiveness of the message of Jesus in our culture. False teachings and prophets are dangerous because in the end, not only does the person gain a negative view of culture, but, so they, but they also gain a negative view of Christianity. They're driven by the wrong motives here. He says their greed has stepped in and is making them, leading them into their decision. Greed is leading them out of authenticity. Greed here in no way implicates a pastor like we have on staff who out of budget and out of offerings, we have an income, we have a salary. What he is advocating is those who have turned to greed, meaning I'm going to take what's not mine. I'm going to take a little extra. I'm going to take what's not mine. What's, I'm going to take, I had a friend in college, I won't share his name, but he had a saying. He said, what's yours is mine and what's mine is mine. 
You have to think about that for a minute. What's yours is mine, and what's mine is mine. And that's what these false teachers have begun to proclaim. I want more than what's been given to me. I want what's someone else's as well. And it began to drive them. So we're examining different desires, but a different source. Where does the message come from? Where does their message come from? And in their greed, here's where the false teacher's message will come from. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words, fabricated truths, things that are made to look like the real thing, but will be fabricated by the false teacher. Peter's already told us in chapter 1, he he said, verse 16, he said, we do not follow cleverly invented stories or myths. And now he's saying the opposite of that is we, we are We are not going to follow false words, fabricated truths. When I was 17 or 18, I took my first trip to New York City. And one of the things that we felt like we needed to do was to go to Chinatown. Um, If you've never been to Chinatown, here's how Chinatown works. First of all, it's crazy. It's just absolutely crazy. And you go to Chinatown because in Chinatown, you can buy fake headphones, fake wristwatches, fake uh, leather bags, um, tennis shoes, anything that you want that you want don't, you don't want to spend that much money on. Well, I had my eyes set on, I wanted a fake Rolex. Some of you in the room going, I don't even know what a Rolex is. I didn't even know really what a Rolex was, but I just knew they were super expensive watches, and I thought it'd be a cool thing to have. And so I, I went into Chinatown, and uh, you've you got to kind of argue with the people there and go back and forth in this little game that you play. And I got this big, I don't have it with me, I wish I did, um, but I got this big, gaudy, like gold watch. But it said Rolex on it. So it was cool. I was 17. And so I, I took it back to church the next Sunday. I was like, hey, guys, woo, look at this thing. And one of my friends said, dude, what time does that thing say? Like, oh, it must be off a little bit. Go to turn the knob, knob comes off in my hand. <laughs> Rolex over. Because you know what? It looked like the real thing. For a few moments, it acted like the real thing. People walking by would have gone, wow, look at that watch. But it was a fabricated truth. It was a false word. It was made to look like one, to act like one. And now Peter is saying, listen, they are following, exploiting you with false words. And understand this. Just like that watch was made to look like the real thing, false prophets and false teachers are going to teach false words. They're not going to come from left field and sound absolutely crazy. Well, some of them do, but some of them are going to come so close to your beliefs that you've known for your entire lives that it's going to leave your head spinning. And unless we know how to come back to God's word and examine it, you're going to find yourself head head spinning. Well, that sounds so close. They're, they're, they're a writer, their authority, their source sounds so much like mine. But these words are false, they are cunning, and they are carefully designed to pull you away from the truth. False teachers put their own needs above the authority of Christ, the authority of Scripture. And we must ask, 
So where does that pastor that I love to listen to, where is his authority? Where does he base his messages from? What does he preach from? Our desire is to shape this community by sharing the grace of Jesus. But that cannot be done vacant of biblical teaching. It cannot be done without standing upon a source that we discussed last week that is a firm foundation. Though even false teachers will sprinkle in maybe a little bit of truth. It's a role that Satan played back in the garden. Just took the truth, turned it just a little bit to bring deception. We must be careful. Paul told a young pastor, he says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but they have itching ears that will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of the evangelist, fulfill your ministry. What is the source of teaching? Here's an odd litmus test for you. Let me finish before you throw something at me, all right? If you come to this place and worship year after year after year, and something that's proclaimed from this word does not affect you, offend you, and convict you, then we need to examine our teaching. Because there must come a time in every one of our lives where this word convicts and guides, reproves, but it also heals and prepares us for his ministry. Don't leave either one of those off. Don't just preach conviction, but preach the truth. Because after all, you examine the Old Testament, the teachers and the prophets, they would walk into a town, they'd proclaim a message, and everybody would say, we love you, you've got a great message for us. No, they would run them out of town because they proclaimed the truth. They proclaimed it with authority. They proclaimed it with conviction that they were led by the Holy Spirit. Look into the New Testament. John the Baptist was not beheaded because he was a nice guy. No, it's because he called for repentance of the wrong person in society. He proclaimed a gospel of conviction and repentance. Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Enduring the cross for our sins. Those in that society of the religious order of the day could not withstand his conviction, his condemnation, but his grace and his forgiveness. They could not wrap their minds around it. There must be times in all of our lives where we come to church and we've had those moments where we walk out of church going, yes, I'm no longer a slave to sin and we're excited and we're rejoicing. But there must be times in our quiet times with the Lord, in our times of worship, in our times of gathering with other believers, that we realize our brokenness. We realize a sinful behavior. We realize the forgiveness and grace of God. And we walk out, not with our heads held high and our arm pumping a fist, but we walk out confident in our heart, I am no longer a slave to sin and it convicts us because they are not false words 
They are not carefully devised myths. All teaching also must lead you somewhere. The question of all teaching that we need to ask is, where does this teaching, where is it leading me? What's the end of this teaching? A different end. Where does the message ultimately lead you? Where does the message of a teacher ultimately lead you? Chapter 1, verse 11 says this. If we follow the, the divine power, the divine promises of God, it tells us this. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an, an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So as we pursue a godly living through great and precious promises, through the divine power of God, we are promised and the end to the teaching is an eternity with our Savior for all eternity. Second Peter comes back around and says, but let me tell you the promises that await a counterfeit teacher. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Jesus said it to me even harsher when those he was declaring to those believers, he said, there will come a day where people will come to me, and I will declare to those who believe themselves to be teachers, believe themselves to be believers, depart from me, I never knew you. Peter is surely describing false teachers, false prophets. They're proclaiming with false motives a false message that will lead them away from the teachings, the authority of Scripture. Why is this so important? Because a counterfeit will make a mockery of Jesus Christ. A counterfeit will undermine the power and the authenticity of Jesus Christ. In the end, where is that leading you? Scripture tells us the false teaching will lead to destruction. But the hardest one for me to present to you today is the fifth one. It's a different life. What life do the false teachers or the teachers live? This is difficult because I want to say this from the get-go. If you are waiting to find the perfect pastor who's never in his flesh, in his life, going to hurt your feelings or offend you, you'll never find him. On the other that, on the other side of that, that does not give pastors permission to dance on the grace of God and to proclaim to do anything with their lives to you that they would desire to do. It's not calling for perfection, but it's calling for to be, Scripture says, above reproach. And the question this led me to ask myself is, do our lives align with the teaching of Scripture? Because verse 1 tells us, what would the false teachers do? They would even deny the master who bought them. They would proclaim the truth. They would proclaim a false word. The false teachers from Peter's days were confessing to be followers of Jesus, yet their lives were untouched by the life and the death of Jesus Christ. This week was Valentine's Day. I don't know how you did on that. Um, it's really not a big deal in our house, praise God. Because this year... Um, my wife and I celebrated. It was so romantic. I just got to tell you about it. Um, we laid beside each other in the bed, uh, shaking and shivering with the flu. It was 
awesome. It was the most romantic Valentine's Day you could ever imagine, right? There was no going out to dinner. There were no flowers, all right? But if it were a big deal, and if, and if on that day I took her flowers and I uh, brought flowers home to her and I took her out to dinner and I took her out for the evening and had this great plan for us, but February 15th through February 13th, 2018, I am unfaithful to her outside of my marriage. What I proclaim does, ma- does not match what I live. Therefore, what I proclaim has no validity. And this is the same for counterfeit teachers. Their actions and their life will not align itself with the teachings of their source if it is the authority of God's word. Because listen to the weight that this places on us as pastors. And so again, I share this with you out of heaviness that this is upon me. This is upon those who proclaim God's word. Not many of you, James says, should become teachers My brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Verses 7 and 8 of Titus chapter 2 says, Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. He goes on to say in verse 9, Bondservants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, not but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. So why is this discussion so important? Because as I've stated earlier, you can take your device and get in your car And you can type in a phrase and you can download a thousand sermons on one topic. And you and I need to know, no matter our age, no matter how long we've been a believer, we need to know how to examine and know the difference between the authentic and the fabricated. Between the truth and the false words that are carefully devised to deceive you. And in those, we find an incredible opportunity to prepare ourselves for this world. Because we live in a world that is distrusting of followers of Jesus because of false teachings that have pervaded our culture and crossed over with great validity. And we must, with great care, great compassion with great truth take time to examine through these and other sources to examine the teachings that we're listening to the teacher and say do you have a different message what's the substance of your message what do you believe about the person the power the authenticity of jesus christ do you have different desires what's guiding you as my teacher is it greed is it personal desires is it false teaching Do you have a different source? Where does your message come from? Do you proclaim the truth from an authoritative stance upon God's word? To what end? Do you have a different end? Where does the message ultimately lead you? To the promises of the word? To eternity? Or to destruction? 
Do you live a different life? What life do the teachers, the false teachers live in front of us? Do the teachings and the actions align themselves and give validity to the truth that they're speaking? We live in an ever-increasing, merging world of beliefs. And just as it is, it is important for me to give you warnings about how to be a husband, how to be a wife, how to, stray, how to stay away from immorality, it is also my responsibility to train you, to teach you, to examine el- teachings from outside the church and inside the church to examine and find authenticity versus the counterfeit. Because I would never desire for you to follow the teaching. That you would stand before the creator of the universe and follow the false teaching and him for look you in the eye and say, depart from me. I never knew you. But, but I was so close. I, I followed this teaching for so long and it, it was really close to scripture. I mean, they had a couple extra things they added on top of it, but it was so close. I never knew you. Well, they didn't teach complete authority in Jesus, but it was close to Jesus. They liked Jesus. Depart from me. I never knew you. There's a tremendous burden upon us as pastors, but there's also a burden upon you as listeners to listen well to the teaching that you are hearing. Let's pray this morning.